Um, You're listening to Gone Clear hey. with Gloria and Ralph. Hey. Today we talked about time and how it relates to reading, how it relates to revolution. What else? We didn't really talk about revolution actually, but it was mainly to do with um, the spaces, uh, the space time in which you can uh, find out about a piece of art and whether maybe the speed at which you can do that or feel that you can do that changes your apprehension of what that thing is. Could we have talked more about revolution? We can always talk more about revolution. So I've been using this app for reading um, called Leo where I, every time I read from the book that I'm currently reading, I start a session and it starts a timer and then I know um, uh, and then when I stop the session, I can, I can quote things, I can draw quotes from the book while I'm reading and I have like a record of the quotes from each page uh, and then I can stop my session and it'll tell me how many, and I'll tell, I'll tell the app how many pages I've read and then the app will tell me how many page, how, what my rate of reading is and it will um, tell me how much time, how, mu how many hours I've got left to read the book at that current rate. Um, which, yeah, for me has, <laughs> has been really useful for uh, actually, actually creating time in my life to read because mm -hmm. it's, like, it's like goals focused. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so you have all these progress bars where it's mm. like, so I was, I was, it was, yeah. Because oftentimes when I'm reading, I'm like, I use the chapters as kind of like, as I basically always want to get to the, whatever I'm consuming, <laughs> I'm always like quite focused on getting to the end of it. And I'm like, I've always, even with films, which is like my, my medium completely, I'm always like looking forward to having experienced the whole thing and being able to experience that. I remember you told me a while back about how when you were watching a film you always really looked forward to getting to the end mm. and being able to have like have watched the film and then be able to think about it or talk about it and then and then if you want to be able to go back and watch it again mm. but like the first time that you watched a film it would always be about a process of like getting to the end yeah and it's and 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 and, and that was strange for me because i never thought of you as being that uh that kind of teleological, that kind of end end based about Is that what your, teleological means? Yeah, pretty much. Um, the end, the kind of end basedness of of um, as you say, consuming, or um, maybe there's another word for it which does something else. When you told me about this app, I was pretty horrified, and I, <laughs> I actually had a slightly kind of like rising sensation of disgust because, for me, like reading. Um, is precisely not a goal orientated activity and it's and it often is quite aimless and the best kind the reading i enjoy most actually is often so it's often sort of circumlocutory or or not or, or, or not circumlocutory but it, it 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 navigates its own path which might be like reading quite slowly and sort of stopping reading i mean it's very hard to read poetry fast yeah for example Unless you're in a, unless you're in a, in a metrical form, then you can sort of bob along on that. Um, but like if, if you have a rhythm, it's easier to kind of absorb it quickly and... Yeah, you get used to the, it's like, a, it's like driving a on a motorway, you yeah. know, you drive on a motorway, you're driving at 70, it's just like, boom, you just put your foot down. Yeah. 
But most, most reading is not driving on the motorway. Most poetry is definitely not driving on the motorway. And I think some of the, some of the reading that I've found the most rich, I kind of hate the word rich, the, the most kind of, um, has the most depth and enjoyment for me is, is, is when I've just read something in very small pieces. And it's also interesting, um, let's add this in, but like how some write, for me, some writing leads me to read in a certain way. Mm. And, 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 and the, the stuff I like the most is, is taking me at, almost at its own speed which could be fast but 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 when i hear about this app i sort of think like when the book tells you how much of the book how long it's going to take you to finish it based on um how fast you've read it so far i mean all these things come into my mind like what if it suddenly gets really difficult <laughs> you well, know then your rate will slow down i guess sure but then but then you but then don't you feel disappointment that you've it's promised you that it's going to take an hour and a half but actually Four hours later, you're still stuck on page 76 because there's this, like, really chunky metaphor you can't get over, you know, like... I mean, I was reading Clarice Lispector. Yeah. So... I mean, I still haven't finished that book, <laughs> and I started it, like, a year and a half ago, so... Did you? Mm -hmm. Passion of GH, a year and a half mm -hmm. ago. What stopped Passion you from finishing to it, GH. briefly? Um, I found it really horrifying. Are we going to talk about this book specifically now? Mm, well, let's not talk about it too much because okay. many listeners may not be familiar with it. But it's a book by Clarice Lispector, who's a Brazilian author. Um, and it's kind of, it, it's in one sense a story about a woman who finds a cockroach in her wardrobe. Uh, and, and that's it. And in another sense, <laughs> it's a story about the sort of existential struggle of like expressing oneself as a human being within the history of the world. So I think time in a poem and time in a novel have something to do but not always directly with the amount of time it takes to read so for me I found the spectre difficult because it describes essentially one afternoon yeah um, and it's quite short it's quite a short novel um, 190 pages yeah. but it's in very short chapters so you have a yeah. blank, blank page between them oh the edition I've got that's interesting because this is about books the edition I've got is the penguin edition and it's actually only about 110 Really? So, yeah, Modern maybe, classics? Or? Yeah, I think the, the font's very small. So all these things mm. affect how quickly one can read things. I gave up reading the complete novels of Kafka recently because the font was too small. Um, was that a vintage copy? Genuinely. Uh, it was published by... I can't remember. It wasn't that old. No, 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 it was a really recent... I mean, I, mean the, 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 no, I don't mean like a vintage as in an like old copy, but like, you know, the copies that call themselves vintage and it says like vintage Kafka and like you think all the authors have their first oh, name is vintage. Oh, yeah, I think it is that one, yeah. yeah. And the fonts are very small. And their they're Virginia Woolf editions, the fonts are very small as well. Why? I don't like reading small fonts. Um, because Only it's, acceptable for the Bible. It's seductive. It's very seductive. <laughs> you think you can read this book really quickly and then you realise that that's... <laughs> really small. And I don't like to be on a page too long. I mean, all this stuff is interesting because it's all related. I don't like to be on a page too long. Um, I like to be able to turn the page. So maybe that's my own productivity uh, anxiety. I just like short things. Mm -hmm. No, I think it's... Um, but what does it mean for something to be short? I mean, I don't think The Passion According to GH is short at all. No, I don't think it is either. Although I did read it quite quickly. I just like to feel like I like to feel like I'm making progress with something. I think partly I feel like I'm making up for lost time because I haven't really been seriously reading literature at all mm. for more than a year. Um, and so I've sort of had periods in, in the last sort of 10 months where I've kind of raced through sort of, you know, two Doris Lessing books, two Tony Morrison books, like three Maggie Nelson, but just kind of like 
catching up on yeah. what I feel is, you know. So, and I just want you to rephrase that. Me. Before last year, you didn't really read. Yeah, before so, November yeah. of last year, yeah. when I went to Berlin and had some thoughts on my own, uh, I didn't, like, I just thought literature wasn't really for me, like, novels. Like, I, I like poetry, but novels, like, I just couldn't pick up a novel and re-engage. The only two adult novels I'd read were The Great Gatsby and I Love Dick. Mm. Um, but um, d- can we talk about lost time? Sure. Because I don't, I'm, I'm, because you've said this a lot, um, I'm, 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 I'm wondering what you think has been lost. Because I, I, re- I, I have these anxieties as well. Mm. And I think, I think it might be important to say, it might be important to work out what, why you think you're behind. Um, or what, because obviously that wasn't lost that time. Well, now lost. I feel like sometimes I feel ahead, which is weird, because <laughs> there's, there's things that I've read that you haven't read, for instance, uh-huh. like, which is crazy, you know, <laughs> like, I just assume that, like, well-read people have read sort of... I mean, but well-read is a completely redundant phrase, yeah. it doesn't mean anything, it's like, but I mean, people, a lot full of, of snobbery and taste. A lot of my friends have done, like, English literature courses or mm. comparative literature courses, um, and so I've sort of, yeah, journeyed into that. I mean, I've seen I've seen so many films, and I, I you know I know some people who also have seen a lot of films, but um, it's that's where I've concentrated my attention. Mm. And, and and you know, to be fair, film is how I make things, not really yeah. words. So, um, but I am really getting loads out of words at the moment, just reading them. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's. I mean, the time thing relates to the way that one uses. Um, uses time in other ways and I feel like the app is a way for me to stop looking at social media even though I'm not <laughs> I'm not really I'm not on Facebook I'm not on Twitter but you know a funny thing happens when you quit Facebook and Twitter you spend three times as much time on Instagram you know it's well you do <laughs> you know it's it's um it's what these what those things what those things do for one um I uh, think very specifically you might be checking your interactions with other people and that is something that I really like about reading is that like it blocks it blocks the connections with other people for a while and forces you to connect with um, a text which kind of has people in it and a person in it and you in it and around it but um, I mean I quite often think oh it's such a relief to be on my own with a book you know like it feels very precious Mm. and I I don't I don't need to I get quite irritated when I'm reading and someone texts me for example (laughs) I just actually don't like it so a lot of my reading habit involves I think I said this to you when we were talking about the app before putting my phone in another room yeah the only time I put my phone in another room is when I'm reading or when I'm writing everything else in my life I can kind of do don't at me don't at me and it feels, and yeah, and time feels different. Um, I, I wonder whether maybe you're thinking about lost time partly because you're experiencing a different form of time when you're reading than than you have really before. I am, yeah. But it's it's so. It, I think it's harder to integrate reading with the kind of life that I live. Mm. Uh, and that's because when I was working sort of quite relentlessly in journalism and you know, the kind of level of emails that I was checking and, and, um, 
I love listening to sort of interviews with, um, there's like, a, I was listening to interviews on some podcast with uh, Matt Zarb, who worked for, that was, was Corbyn's uh, spokes, media spokesman. He was just talking about like the, the um, every like, you wake up at, you know, 6.30 and then, you know, you get your first wave of emails and you're just like, you basically kind of Surf emails, text emails messages, yeah, you just, you send about sort of like, you know, 100 or 200 e- like texts or emails oh. a day, you know, and it's just like, I, I had a taste of that, you know, mm. um, and it's, it's, yeah, completely like, you just, I just, you never have space to read a book in that, anyone who's even trying and they're not even getting, you couldn't even concentrate. And the space for concentration is the space that I find I, I only can get that space by forcing myself out of the the default, which is the kind of networked, notified sort of state. Um, I have to sort of draw a line for me mm. in order to understand a book mm. or getting in, into a book. I have to make various sort of boundaries mm. to to put myself into a place where I can read, and mm. then I'll be able to do that. But it's not doesn't doesn't come naturally, and I don't mm. have that sort of oh good I'm, I'm here alone with my book I have this like the book has to specifically say to me something and mm. then I'll be like oh I'll get really enthusiastic about the thing that the book's saying mm. so I'm always looking in books for something that can set, speak to all the other conversations I'm having <laughs> or to your like a particular form of communication which is quite like personal and insistent I don't know you, you seem to like first person narratives a lot or I like suppose. I don't know I'm which 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 books do you mean like? well I guess I guess like I love dicks probably that I haven't read that in ages. because because but that was the book that you kind of that kicked you off with the reading hype partly I, I think there's like an is there the a, is there an internet the reading thing? hype was well I don't know like yeah no I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna say no it's nothing with first person it was an Argonauts and then of course that's yeah. like heavily first person very, he- yeah, um, very first person I mean the Argonauts is like so readable um, that's what does that love. mean? Uh, it means that it. Well, for me, the Argonauts being readable means that it, it feels like a part of a lot of the conversations that. So I used to say, and I used to say like, don't take this as dismissive, but the Argonauts is like a really good sort of Facebook post. It's mm. like a really like, mm. Mm. and that's and the reason that we enjoy. I mean, I, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but I remember when I was like the posts that you, you know, you would really dedicate time. If someone, if it was a Seymour thing and it was someone you respected, you would just read like a full five paragraphs and you'd absolutely, it would be absolutely riveting because of who the person was, because of all the people you knew would also be reading it and might be commenting below. Like that sort of excitement that like something, you know, was placed in a particular space. And the nature of, I guess, the internet and the nature of the, 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 the filter or the filter bubble or whatever takes mm. you to things that have have an interest with you that is on mm. the kind of primary level of interest that like directly relates to so you will the, uh, the Argonauts for me like I was already having loads of conversations with my friends about about gender that that looked a little bit like what the Argonauts mm. were saying but mm. the Argonauts had this this ability to uh, like be sentimental in a theoretical way Mm. Um, and the Argonauts has, has a narrative, very strong narrative yes, in it yeah. as well. Um, so it, it's like a novel. It had the yeah had the ability to do all those things, and so it was gripping, and it was like 
it just had loads of lines and quotes that was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a bit like what gender is, you know. But you know that, that for me, the Argonauts reminds me of um, not so much a social media, for, but like the um, the commonplace book, which is like a much earlier, you know, uh, literary formulation of, um, you know, when people used to write down their favourites, the favourite things that mm. they came across in sort of 16th, 17th centuries. And, um, and I mean, it's, it's more coherent than perhaps than a commonplace book, but the, the commonplace book became an art. You know, the most famous one is Robert Burton's The Anatomy of Melancholy, which I've never, me- I've never read because it's massive. Um, but like, what does it do? It's a, it's a, it's a sort of orchestration of, of, um, of, 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 uh, a commonplace book is, is a, it's like a scrapbook. It's like where you put quotes from other people. So it's yeah. not your own writing. So it's an assemblage of other people's writing. Ah, right. So that is um, a bit like the Argonauts. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Except, I mean, it's only that. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not really the person's commentary on it in particular. But I'm just thinking about, like, yeah. When I was younger, I used to keep a scrapbook, and I think, um, you know, social media, Tumblr in particular, has replaced the scrapbook mm. um, as a way of. Um, noting down your personal your interests your personal um memories or your or your or your things that you've cut out from newspapers or whatever they now all go online and they're shared so mm. it's this i mean i know some people only keep a tumblr for themselves and so on and so forth but in but general it's, like that, it's yeah. a social thing oh my god this so yeah. much yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that kind of that thing and it's like um i think li- literature is 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 now often very much in that vein I was packing to go away for two weeks and to 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 I had specific things I wanted to read and specific things I wanted to write and I didn't take a novel with me and I think that was something to do with wanting to move between the texts that I was taking which was Rambeau Kristen Ross's book on Rambeau and the Paris Commune Sophocles Antigone which I was thinking about because of the Grenfell fire and also kind of I've been thinking about it on and off for for, for years. Yeah. Little little short things that I could read, and that's what I'm. That's why I go back to this objection to this kind of. Okay, now you sit yourself down and time yourself reading something because mm. actually I'm quite often reading things at the same time, and often I'm reading them because they have a relationship to one another, or my writing is trying to work out what their relationship is, um, and I need them to be present, and I ca- and I can't. It does, it's completely irrelevant. It's actually completely, maybe I'm contradicting myself. If I'm into something, it's completely irrelevant to me how long it takes me to read it, completely. And um, that makes my life quite difficult, actually. I think like I have sometimes I just Sometimes I just spend two days reading and it like messes up my social life. But then it's like, actually, I'm not that interested in my social life when I'm doing it, you know. <laughs> I don't really have a social life at that point. I mean, I, I, part of me, I guess, I, I'm, I'm sort of ravenous because mm. I want that, the diversity of minds. I'm so, mm. so I was, I was reading Le Spectre last night mm. and I finished Le Spectre, finished it on the app. <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, I'm still very jet lagged. I basically won't fall asleep until 3.30. Mm. Um, so I started reading Things, Story of the Sixties by George Perec. Mm-hmm. She's like, a very different style mm. uh, and it related to a conversation I'd had in the residency so it was sort of fed back it was sort mm. of fed back to some absorption I'd already done um, 
and then there's this Talon book I'm going to read after that. And I sort of, I already know without having read the Talon book that that's going to like bring out a completely different, a mm. uh, completely different thing to the Perec book, but it's also going to inform the Perec book in this way that I'm not going to quite know until I've done it. Mm. And like, I would so much rather, and you know, so the Perec book is like 130 pages. The Talon book is like, I don't know what, how many pages it is, but mm. it's really thin. Um, the La Spectre, yeah, not that long. So I'm just so, I'm always glad when I have shorter books that I can really get to know all these different ways of writing and ways of thinking. Mm. But I do know that on the rare occasions that I read a long book, um, not on every occasion, but it, it, when it's really good, then yeah, you just have that depth of understanding like the way you get to know characters in another country I mean yeah. it's just I mean, insane it depends on what type of book you're reading if you're reading a book that has lots of characters in it then it's going to need to be long or it's going to be that kind of postmodern thing where there's just like a character called X and a character called Y and you don't find out anything about them so you're not there for the characterization. you're, you're there because there's something that a novel is doing which is different you know like every every piece of artwork is doing something different on its on its something like its own terms and the time it takes is to, is to do with that. I, I kind of said that before. Because I can very quickly read something if it's got like a lot of dialogue in it and a lot of description, like a, a standard like novel. But um, I kind of find that a bit boring. And so I don't tend to read like that. And when I do, it's very easy. It's a bit like watching telly. I think it's a bit like watching telly. Reading books. Yeah, reading, reading, novel, book reading novels. novels. Reading like reading non-experimental novels is like. Oh, it's, to me, it's not like that at all. Yeah, because I'm just not that good at reading. So I really every even even if it's the reason I've never read like trashy like airport literature <laughs> is it's like it, that's literally as hard for me to read <laughs> as like like I don't know like Dostoevsky like I just what <laughs> what, what um what any form of reading is just challenging for me what do you mean when you say you're not very good at reading um I lose concentration very quickly hence I have the to, app hence the app I have to reread lines my mind often when my mind goes into a state of concentration yeah. it's like when I used to do meditation like when like the the sort of the aim of meditation is is not it's not to clear your mind but to try to clear your mind um mm. and but in, do, in doing the trying of clearing your whoops, in doing the trying to clear your mind, um, you inevitably remember like uh, an email that you really haven't replied to from quite a while ago um, that you really ought to. Um, and I don't really get that guilty about this sort of stuff nowadays. But I remember like yeah, when I when I did meditation, um, I would yeah be I'd be meditating and I'd be like. Oh, that thing I need to do oh I need to check my bank balance I need, you know these mm -hmm, sort of things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and those were not even my the primary concerns so by doing the meditation yeah. you were like getting rid of the primary concerns and you're just finding the secondary and tertiary now I live a bit more of a chill life hopefully but I still think like the, the kind of way that your mind yeah. looks forward I'm a big looking forward to person yeah. I spend a lot of my life like m like getting excited about things I'm going to be doing yeah. Um, and having ideas like like just the pr whole process of making art for me is a process of looking forward to things like I'm just like mm. I've got this idea this is where it's going to look okay I'm going to do it now um, huh. and so yeah that sort of enthusiasm which is like the most that's when I'm at my most concentrated when I'm making art because yeah. I'm not because I'm like totally engaged yeah. and absorbed but you don't have that when you're reading when I'm reading you're, it's you're sort of looking for the next 
yeah but then thing you can be engaged with that's why the books that i read are always these quite heavy cerebral <laughs> books because they force me to be in this kind of mind state so mm. like le spectre uh elfrida yelanek like yeah. really similar like quite like yeah, quite different in terms of like the sort of decoration but broadly like i think um Yelenek and Lespector are doing quite similar things. They both write sort of quite heavy, psychological, sort of quite menacing. It's like psychological non-realism, isn't it? Yeah. It's like psychology, but like, it's like, <laughs> it's sort of like, it's kind of the real landscape of the mind, which is always like, it's unbearable and non-linear and like, violent and architectural that's what i get from both of them really yeah tectonic i don't know Those yeah i love big, it big words <laughs> love it love it and then and then kathy Acker does similar things but yeah. yeah that's where that's where i'm sort of that's the sort of the stuff that is mo most clear to me yeah when i'm reading something and i'm really in it i'm aware that i'm having thoughts but they are like they're contained somehow uh -huh. And they're like, that's why people, I think that's why people like stories, why stories are addictive for people. Because, I mean, I hate this fetishization of stories generally, because it's usually really boring. You know, you're just a storyteller. Yeah, you it's know? just like a story. Just really We're all storytellers. You know, like all the, all the, all the theatres. It's true though. All the, th all the theatres <laughs> that I've ever come across have this like mission statement, which is like to tell amazing stories and all this stuff. And it's like, it's like well, I, I just want, I just want to fuck people up really. But like, <laughs> I feel like we're just going back into the first podcast. But okay, when I'm reading poetry, I'm still thinking about my bank account. I'm still thinking about um, whether I'm going to see X next Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And what I like about the work that I like reading and engaging with at the moment, and what I like about my writing at the moment, is that those thoughts are allowed to happen as well. Mm -hmm. And so they don't exist in like a separate sphere. It's like. they're acknowledged as like part of my real life and there mm. isn't this like rich inner life that I'm trying to access I think this is notably I think realizing that has notably changed the way I write because I don't think I have to be in this like silent room like a cell like a like a monastic like when I was in France a few weeks ago I was like in this village and I was sitting up in this room and I was on my own and I was a desk and there was a window with swallows and roofs and people i was up there quite early in the morning and i was sitting there <laughs> trying to write <laughs> it's just like this is too pleasant <laughs> like, too pleasant it's just like too comfortable it was too comfortable it was like this is exactly how writing should be but yet it's making me nervous <laughs> <laughs> and i had to go and sort of like walk around the house a bit and um pick up some objects and sort of read something else um before i before i before I had almost had to let things interfere with me. Um, I really like reading in the bath. I had this conversation with somebody the other day about reading in the bath and how like reading in the bath has a particular like focusing thing because you're actually literally naked and there aren't actually those many things that you can like play with or distract you. But also you're not there for very long. <laughs> so this kind of strange Some people stay in the bath for a extraordinarily <laughs> long time. I mean, it's, fair, it's rare for me to be in the bath for more than an hour. Reading in the bath isn't, isn't the same as reading in bed, or it's not the same as reading on a train, or so they're all like different. So, so again, like with this app, I'm like, yeah, but the app doesn't tell me whether I'm reading in the bath or whether I'm reading I'm in bed. I'm not doing the app Do you know what I mean? to find out that, that 
I read quickly. It's no, not no, like no. a speed reading thing. No, I'm no, not no, trying no, to. No, like, I get that. But what I want to know, I do want to know. The, the but, the, but for me, the conditions are, di are very, very important and different. And I will do certain types of reading in the bath that I won't do in the living room. Yeah. <laughs> like, Thanks you know for sharing I mean? that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think the, the, the thing that I'm. <laughs> the thing that I'm doing the app for is, is to know how long it will take me to finish a book, mm -mm -mm. which means I can then program time for doing that. Because what previously happened is yeah. I would, the, the, my knowledge of the understanding of the time it takes to read a book yeah. was always um, never quite there. I would, I would sort of say, oh, I've got a bit of time there, I can read that. And then because I didn't know how long it would take mm. to read it, and I thought, well, maybe I could read this bit quickly or whatever, I would know it would take me... It would take me it, I mean, if I wasn't busy, then I would just have time. But if mm. I was busy, I wouldn't be able to schedule time to finish a book. So I'd just have a, a book I'd be carrying around with me everywhere and just never mm. finishing. And that, that really, I really dislike not oh, being okay. a, not not being able. Mm. I'm fine with it taking. A, I'm sort of fine with it taking a while to get through a particular bit. But if I'm if I'm getting something out of it, but if I just don't have the time and I'm not making the time to finish a book, that yeah. annoys me to but carry this thing around. But what if you're getting something out of it, but you don't know yet? <laughs> well, I I very rarely give up on a book. Like yeah. I've never really walked out of a film in my life. Like it, yeah, I, I feel uh. like you have a duty if you start something to see it through to the end. Okay. Which I sort of because I because because I I sort of have a kind of thing where like there's always like, even if you really hate it, there might be something at the end that redeems it in some way. But yeah. also just like you have to, as a respect to the artist, you just like have to see it to the end, and unless it's like like quite like gory or like physically difficult for you to deal with or mm. like triggering but otherwise I would I would just yeah try and like try and um but yeah I have no I have absolutely no compunction about not finishing a book because for me it's something to do with a work ethic that I would want to finish it yeah it's like a work ethic it, for me definitely it, but I think it's a different because it, because I did an English degree like I had to finish things mm. um or quite often I did I mean obviously I didn't always but like that was a real rule that was a rule that was a structure and i'm still trying to get over that and, and, and as a writer i'm definitely trying to get over that um you i don't owe anything i don't owe anything to the artist you see you think you do but i don't think i do you said mm, i don't know about the owing thing there's something that you're saying about like something related to the work that they've put into it and the work that you have to do yeah i just feel it's not it's not even it's not like there's a guilt thing it's just no. like if i'm going to speak about this work okay i want to be i want to have an, I, I want knowledge like I, there's a particular <laughs> way of wanting knowledge here that, that somehow compels me to experience the, the piece in full and i think um ah you're reading the books for knowledge well i'm reading the books i don't because i don't write so i'm not i yeah, think maybe yeah, for you yeah, you're yeah. sort of like it's absolutely on your terms, like what, what, what you can, <laughs> yeah. what you can sort of like jump between. I'm sort of almost envious of the way that you are able to kind of get what you need out of books and not care. But also like that's basically mm. how I do film yeah, quite yeah, a lot. Yeah. And that film is my, like video art, like I, I'll go on people's Vimeos and sort of watch like 30 seconds and then I'll be like, okay, I, I know whether or not I need to fuck with this. Yeah. You know, um, and maybe that's just the connoisseurship of it. Maybe that's just like, it's partly the internet culture of, of, of like online. Like, no, like you have to, everyone just like, you listen to a song for like 10 seconds and if you don't fuck with it, you don't fuck with it. Like, I'm, I'm coming around to the, to the conclusion that like, 
it's very important not to think about like worthwhile art or bad art or good art. What I'm saying is the things, that, the kind of art that people can encounter is hugely dictated by the amount of time that's available to them. Those penguin things are, f are sort of partly for commuters, those little penguin books. Oh, they cost, cost like 80 pence, don't they? They, they, they variably cost between 80 pence and £2. Pounds. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm basically saying this really banal point about there's always a relationship between like culture and capitalist time and so if you're a commuter reading like Montaigne yeah in a penguin book yeah like how much of that wisdom are you absorbing well I've no idea I mean that, that that depends on so many other things I used to love reading when I commuted when I commuted in London I used to read a Raymond Carver short story or a John Donne poem for like every day for about six months amazing and I yeah I did really enjoy it I got, got a lot out of it there were things I found I could read but um I guess I guess all I'm saying is that like um I think there's something, um, like Satan Tango, for example, when we watched it, we had to take a whole day to watch it. It's a seven-hour Bellatar film. Yeah. we could, a Hungarian director. We could have watched that over several days, but it would have been a different experience. Yeah. And also, I think no one people... No does, because no. it's, so, like, it's basically set over two days, so if you watch it over more than that, then you're not really vibing it. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like that, that kind of art is only available to a certain certain people for all sorts of reasons and I'm not making some sort of argument about I, I often fall into a trap of thinking you know the best kind of art should be the art that's available to the widest number of people actually I think what happens often with that and commissioning and funding is it then gets diluted um, well, unemployed people can really get into mm, Belatar yeah and all sorts of things like unemployed people can do like shitloads of political organising as well like it's a very um I've just been in Barcelona talking to people in the movements of Barcelona about like how like you know loads of the housing movement in Barcelona is people who are unemployed um, and, mm. and they do spend a lot of time building the movement um, but I think Full I mean unemployment yeah I mean I used <laughs> to go to a cinema club called Full Unemployment Cinema in South London and all the films were about work and it was brilliant I saw some really great things there I agree with you about things that I, I agree with you. I also am really drawn to people making work that is uh, not bounded by short chunks of t like short bite-sized chunks of time. Love Diaz, yeah, is a is, is a good example. He's, um, I mean, I, I went to see him give a talk at the mm. West University of Westminster. Uh, Love Diaz, Filipino director. He his films really are very long. Uh, I mean, on average, about six or seven hours, and they they tend to be quite slow. Sometimes not, sometimes not so slow, but yeah, like the stories are really like you just really spend a lot of time with every character. Mm. You really sort of sometimes it'll be like a, a really rich story, or sometimes it will just be like something quite simple, just taking a long time. And he talks a lot about Filipino history and the kind of. Um, just the pain and difficulty that, 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 that his people have gone through, basically. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to ventriloquise him, but there's, there's a, as far as I am, I'm going to say, yeah, there's a relationship between the, 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 the length of time that he goes into and the way in which he invades your sense of time mm. and forces you if you're going to, if you're going, I would never say I'd watched a Lavdias film if I'd only watched half of it, you know, <laughs> but half of it may, may very well be three hours. Um, he, 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 he creates that, Im that imposition as, as part of, like, I think, a, a politics. Mm. Um, 
and it's about it's about bringing something bringing a reality up to people not in a sort of social realist you know you must understand this daily struggle, uh, daily struggle. it's more poetic than that it's more like this it's it's, it's more surreal actually but, but I, I guess I'm just asking like who gets to see his films and who doesn't that's all like not in a not you know just not in a to say that this is a problem well it could be a problem but well like, most people don't live in a like I mean slow films like that just aren't engaging unless you've trained yourself in a particular tradition do you think that cinema I, um, I think that I think that attention spans are Maybe I used to be a bit more hopeful about this stuff. I don't know. When I think about it, I used to basically be like, anyone can just watch a Bertar yeah. film and be totally enraptured by it. But I do think that it requires certain key experiences for you to be able to change your pace yeah. uh, in terms of experiencing art and, and want to dive into something. I don't think mm. you can go straight into something that's like... There are experiences that are valuable in art that require you to have experienced other forms of the other things that are similar to that mm. that are less there's always like a, a in point an in like an in for a certain kind of work you don't we've all seen things a bit too early and then revisited them when we've mm. experienced other things right so there's clearly like a a form like a way in which accessibility is is subjective mm. But I still believe, I still ultimately believe that anyone could be able to get something out of um, Satan Tango, but I don't believe in the, in the, in the capitalist time that we exist in. Mm. I mean, like the, the, the way we look at time mm. and capitalism, um, the way we feel time. I don't think it's really possible for all, like for slow cinema to have like mainstream even if uh, ITV wanted to screen like um, Batang Westside mm. film by Lab Diaz like th th it just wouldn't but you've got to you've got to give people the opportunity yeah, you can't I mean, assume that people are not going to like things I think this is what, all I'm saying really no of course well I, I'm very I'm like, I'm very um, I wouldn't make art if I didn't think people couldn't appreciate something different from what they're used to. Used to. Lastly, uh, the Rambo, you sent me an email about Rambo and mm. time. Mm. Is there anything about the way that he sees time that fits into this understanding of the way we consume art temporarily? just sitting in a room and thinking about what Rambo meant by revolutionary time is like not a thing that's possible in a revolution. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that happens in a revolution, Kristen Ross puts this very well, um, is that uh, time is both speeded up and slowed down. So things keep happening, but one is constantly absolutely in the moment of things, mm -hmm. which make them very present and make them very long in a way that they're not usually which maybe goes back to this, my, my dialectical objection to the app. Uh, the, just to sit in a room and think about what, what revolutionary poetics mean or what a revolutionary 
form of writing or making of art is 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 like not is not possible in a revolution so it's a it's always becomes an academic question and that's what was really odd for me when I was writing that is that like I'm just sitting in this house in France and there's very there's a great many things happening in the world and um and I'm trying to understand uh this kind of breathless chaotic uh upended uh contradictory form of writing um that, that I think, and I think Kristen Ross argues this as well, in a sense can only happen in these moments of great social and political upheaval. Hmm. Um, I think we're also experiencing a moment of social and political upheaval, but... The and you were in France during it? Uh, Some of it, during this Grenfell post-election period, you were away from all that and experiencing this form of time well, I went that to Rambo had... Yeah, I wasn't experiencing Rambo's form of time, but I was sort of trying to... You were reading it. Yeah, I was reading. I was reading his poetry, and I was reading a commentary on his poetry that was about time and space. Um, no, I don't really have anything else to say apart from the fact that I think that to think about what something means is not possible during a revolutionary period, and I think that means that revolutionary period has a very particular kind of lack of reflection, which mm. is like. A, which is which is exciting and and very unstable so i think that um, does that make you feel hopeful or not really but it makes me feel like maybe the only thing i could write during a revolution would be like a narrative of the revolution and not poetry but that might become to be considered poetry later on so that's that really yeah i often wonder what kind of extreme political circumstances would do to my work I mean, I, I, I mean, you can see it in other people's work, right? I don't you even wonder it. I mean, political circumstances are happening and my work's changing, but yeah. 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 But there is, there is a sense, no, but like when there's a sense of uprising, like when there's disorder, yeah. when there's like, when there's barricades or when there's like no running water or whatever, like your existence becomes very, very different and quite contingent very suddenly. I think the kind of work that can be produced, and we, and we can see this because we have artwork from, from these periods both now you know, the Egyptian Revolution, uh, the French Revolution, uh, I don't know, all sorts of, th all sorts of mm, uh, yeah. periods um, and, and actually the present circumstances that people are producing. So we know what's possible and what's not possible. And that's kind of my next, one of my next sort of sets of endeavours because I want, yeah, because I want, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be in the time that's happening and not try and rest it away in some kind of weird kind of artistic sort of uh, monasticism. <laughs> and that, that means that certain forms of writing and reading and consuming or in inhabiting a form of art are possible and certain ones aren't. But there's a place for artistic monasticism? I don't know. I don't know if there is. Is a, resi is a residency essentially artistic monasticism? Yeah. I think there will come a time when residences will not occur. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> we've, we've gone clear. <laughs> Thank you for listening.